Welcome to the Higher Potential Living Podcast, where we discuss improving quality of life by exploring mind, body, and spirit through a mindful lens. Here's your host, Jason Marichello. Hello, and thanks for joining me once again. On today's episode, I was joined by Brian Hardy. Brian is a wellness and holistic nutritionalist who specializes in healing, digestion, and optimizing recovery to help clients overcome chronic health challenges. Now, on this episode, we talked not only about the gut health, we talked about some of the do's and don'ts, but overall, we talked about the importance of awareness When it comes to the things that we put inside of our body, the fuel that actually runs our body and even our mind in a lot of cases. So I hope you get something out of this episode. Please enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to the Higher Potential Living Podcast. I'm here with Brian Hardy. Brian, thanks so much for joining us today. My pleasure. I'm excited to be here. So I, I was really, I was thinking back as to where the inspiration came to actually reach out to you. And uh, I've had you as a Facebook friend, one of those people that I've always kind of seen in the shadow doing good work. Um, maybe the shadow seems a little bit of a weird way to put that. <laughs> but in the background of my mind, doing good work, and uh, I saw something that you posted, I think it was last month about candida virus and something around how, you know, there's a lot of people living with these different things that they're sometimes not even aware of or how they could be living with things that are impacting them that they're not even aware of. And that was kind of what set the spark for me to reach out to you and just kind of, yeah, dive into your your knowledge. I've, I've read up a little bit about you since and it seems like you have quite a bit of uh, history and background and knowledge to pull from. So I'd love to just spend a little bit of time picking your brain a little bit about that and seeing what kind of information we can put out there for the listeners. But if you would just want to start by introducing yourself a little bit and really talking about what, what brought you this passion, what brought you this place of doing the work that you are doing. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. And just to, to clarify, so we don't confuse anyone, uh, Candida albicans, or the yeast and fungal form of this particular organism, is not technically a virus. So, because we're in 2020 and there's a lot of talk about another kind of C virus, mm. um, I just don't want to confuse people and think that Candida is a virus or something that you will catch. You know, in a right. sense, uh, it's it's a natural organism that lives inside all of us and is is part of a healthy microbiome, uh, but it can get out of balance, like many things. Um, But for my journey, and it's funny because Candida was a big piece of my own journey, um, which really, you know, to make a long story short, when I was 18, my appendix ruptured and I had a history of digestion issues uh, my whole life that I just thought were normal. You know, I thought it was normal to be constipated. I thought it was normal to get gassy. I thought all these things were normal. I was like, looking back, I was inflamed and bloated as a kid. And didn't know any better. And that all came to a head when I was 18 and my appendix ruptured, which essentially is just, you know, your your body, my body couldn't take the toxic burden of food and stress and all that stuff. And so something had to give. My appendix was the piece that gave. um, And it nearly killed me because I had a misdiagnosis happen at the first hospital I went to. And I became very, very uh, infected with, you know, this disgusting, you know, 
kind of like rotting flesh material stuff that had popped inside of my stomach. Mm. So not a pretty sight and not a fun experience. And yet it was going through that and the resulting recovery process that ended up shifting everything because I was studying automotive engineering technology. Mm. I was a very heady science physics kind of uh, kind of person and I loved cars. And I loved, I still do love cars and all things, you know, motorized um, just because I think they're fun and I like to understand how things work and build things and so forth. But that was going to be my path. I was going to like sit at a desk and like design parts and design vehicle components and that, you know, that sort of thing. But after getting sick and not being able to uh, bounce back in the way that I thought I would, um, health became all consuming and it was really the lack of health that became the driving force because like many things in life, we don't tend to value them until we have a loss or perceived loss of those things. Mm. And we recognize how important they really are. So that was me at age 18, 19, 20, even up to probably 21, 22. By the time I finally got all the pieces put together and, and was able to rebuild my digestive capacity. So I wasn't uh, going to be you know, chronically bloated and limited to a very, very small subset of foods um, that I wasn't reacting to. Um, but so it was a process. It was a process and candida, dealing with candida, which is an overgrowth of a yeast or fungus, um, was a big piece of it because like happens to many of us. We may have a health crisis, go in for surgery, get a diagnosis of some sort, whatever it might be. And unless you have a really integrative, progressive, holistic minded medical professional, which there's not a whole lot of them out there, uh, unless you have one of them, they're not going to tell you about the root cause things and the lifestyle things that you need to shift in order to either prevent this from happening again or to reverse it or to improve it. You know, it's just not part of their training. It's not part of their business model. And so I had had this appendix rupture. I had had massive doses of antibiotics and a long journey of physical healing from the surgery. Uh, but I went back to eating, you know, like a university student and, and, mm. and, and binge drinking on the weekends, which was the real thing that put everything over the edge. And I still remember it because I was feeling all right. And it's interesting. There's a period of time, many cases where after a lot of antibiotics and you kind of have like a sterile environment, you can feel pretty good. And apparently there's a lot of scientific research that shows if you have sterile lab animals, they can actually be quite healthier than ones that have a ton of bacteria in their guts. Um, but that's a, a, a separate sort of concept. But just to say, just to say that uh, after a clean sweep, one can feel kind of good. Now, the type of food you reintroduce is going to determine what things grow back, mm. right? Because we are this living, breathing Petri dish of funguses and bacterias and viruses and all these things live within us. It's, it's what makes us human. You know, you don't have human without all those other things. And depending on what we eat is going to determine what we're feeding and what, and what grows back after a, a sterilization or an antibiotic course in my case. And so I went back to eating pizza and fried foods and dairy and uh, just heavy things and just uh, not good things. And, Pair that with binge drinking beer on the weekends. Mm -hmm. Not a good recipe for a healthy gut. So the last time I remember ever really drinking beer uh, was uh, 
the, fr- the friends of mine that I was living with at the time, we decided to have a keg party, as you do in university. Uh-huh. And uh, I, I'm, I don't know how much beer I drank, way more than I should have drank or needed to, more than anyone would need to. But I remember waking up the next morning and my stomach felt so raw and inflamed and bloated and just like there was like a pit in my stomach that felt terrible. And at the same time, my right eye began to twitch mm-hmm. um, uncontrollably. And that, that day I had to go to the library and like bang out an entire project that I'd been putting off. So there I am hungover. Now I've got my eyes twitching and my stomach is raw and inflamed. And it was just a bad situation. Um, and so shortly after that, uh, I took my mom's advice and saw a naturopathic doctor. And she introduced me to this whole world of holistic healing, of naturopathic medicine, of herbal medicine, of uh, plant-based eating, which is what she introduced me to. It was uh, the the first book by the founder of Vega, The Thrive Diet, uh, which was Brendan Brazier's uh, plant-based approach for energy and athleticism. Mm. Um, And all these things started blowing my mind. You know, this is like 2010, 2011. So before, you know, superfoods were super popular and green juices were super popular. I remember making green juice in mason jars and bringing it to class and feeling so like, like shameful in a sense and like embarrassed. I was like, I don't want people to see what I'm drinking because everyone else is drinking Tim Hortons coffee and eating donuts and all that nonsense. So it was an interesting time, but I'm super glad that it happened and it, it really uh, introduced me to a much bigger perspective and mission on why I'm here, why I feel I was put here, uh, which is ultimately to reconnect people to health and to vitality through the honoring of their own body, through the honoring of their own, uh, you know, mind and life, you know, their environment and learning how to create your environment internally and externally so that health is the only thing that can result. Um, And so I've done a lot of work in the digestion uh, realm and healing the gut, which is such a common issue for so many people and for so many reasons that we can explore if you like. But it's really been, you know, uh, my own my own journey in that has informed the approach I take and has informed the work I do and the kinds of people I tend to attract, which tends to be a lot around digestion and recovery. Mm -hmm. Uh, And when I say recovery, I'm talking you know, from injuries or surgeries or just the, the daily stresses of life. Um, and so that all brings me to today where it's been about 10 years since I initially got sick and five years since I've been professionally working in this realm. Wow, man. So there is like a lot of stuff to kind of unpack <laughs> with uh, that whole introduction. So many good things that I'd, I'd love to dive into. And, you know, I was just thinking to myself, like, well, there could be a whole series about just diving into little things that you you talked about but it exists and it's your podcast which we'll we'll get to talking about a little bit later but uh out of curiosity what what was kind of like the recovery like for you how long did it take and all that after having that whole uh, appendix issue come up yeah so the the surgical recovery was about i want to say five months or so um and that's just because the appendix had ruptured and they didn't know it was just the appendix by the time they went in to do surgery. So they opened me up in what they call an exploratory laparotomy. Mm. So like an inch above my belly button or maybe two inches to like three or or so inches below Mm. roughly. So a a, a large incision. 
And so the abdominal muscles had to be restitched together. Right. So that was the biggest piece of the physical recovery is that I couldn't stand up straight and I couldn't do any kind of exercise that would engage the abs. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I mean, I'm such a you know movement and you know exercise kind of junkie in, in some cases. So that was tough. Um, but then the wound, that wound healed up. But then again, it was the internal environment that took years to recover because for that first year almost, I didn't change diet, lifestyle, any of those things. I just, you know, took the medicine and it kept living. Um, And that came to this head with the candida issue and the really terrible digestive issues. And then once I, 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 you know, came to terms with, okay, there's a much bigger imbalance going on internally now. That took a few years to, to really iron out the kinks. So the, the, the whole recovery was probably about four years um, from when it happened to when I felt more like myself and more like I could tolerate, you know, going out and having a meal and not having to worry about things so much, not having to be so strict and follow what's essentially an elimination diet, uh, which can be great, but very hard to, to maintain on the long term. So, you know, I, I talk a lot about mindfulness and, and how all these different aspects of the mind and the body and everything play into each other. So how was this, how was this working on your emotional self or your, you know, the way that you even went through life leading the rest of your life when you had these feelings, this gut rot or however it kind of manifested for you? Like, how did that affect you in other ways? Yeah, great question. Great question. Because there was a few really pivotal points in the journey that were nothing to do with what I was eating or drinking or any of those things. It was specifically just like the mind paradigm mm-hmm. and shifting the belief and shifting the perspective. And the first one was recognizing that uh, I was not a victim of this, right? That I had played an active role in creating this situation mm-hmm. and that I couldn't blame the doctors. I couldn't blame the medication. I couldn't blame anybody, right? It came to a point of, okay, no more blaming take responsibility and move forward, which was huge. That was a huge piece. Um, And then another piece was that uh, at some point during this recovery process, I started getting into yoga and started, uh, you know, going more into uh, Eastern thought and Eastern mysticism kind of spiritual beliefs. I was raised in a more traditional Christian Mm -hmm. upbringing. So it was, it was quite a departure. Um, but I saw the value in it. I saw the value in it. And it was really through the practice of yoga and asana to be specific and a, a specific teacher that I was watching on a, on a, like a daytime television show who really broke down that you are not your thoughts. Mm-hmm. And up until that point, I was convinced, you know, I was my thoughts. I have this dialogue going on. That's me, right? I didn't have a framework. I didn't understand how things work together. So that was like, boom, like, you know, another spark of liberation along the path to, to be like, oh my God, you mean I'm not my thoughts? That's amazing. Yeah. That's so freeing, you know, the it's weight lifted off my back. Um, and then that uh, perspective, the yogic perspective and the energetic uh, centers that they teach about and describe the chakra system, um, that started to inform me on, okay, what are like the third chakra and lower chakra issues that uh, are causing stagnation and causing these things to manifest in that area. And that was a lot more to do with like self-worth, self-love, mm-hmm. you know, uh, recognizing that I'm worthy of health and taking the steps to, to create that, 
right? Because for a lot of us, if we've been born and we've always had good or decent health, uh, there's not a conscious thought of, okay, I have to do these things in order to take care of my, my physical body. Um, and I have to do them because I love myself mm-hmm. ultimately, right. As an expression of that love. Um, but so that became a very real thing where, you know, I couldn't go, I couldn't be like a normal, a normal kid or a normal student. I couldn't go and enjoy the things that my friends were doing and party and, and not, and be mindless. Right. I was, it was being mindless was not an option. Mm which again, at the time was kind of a reluctant, not enjoyable, you know, challenging thing, but such a gift, such a gift. Um, And really worked as sort of like a a rite of passage for me in that regard um, to usher me into this new awareness and this new way of being and this new way of understanding that, you know, health is much more, uh, complex in some ways than I would ever have imagined mm. and that there's so many pieces to it that happen that, that uh, it's like the, the working together, the co-mingling of the emotional body, the mental body, the spiritual body, the energetic body, all these things are playing a role. Mm-hmm. And if, if any one of them is too far out of balance, something's going to give, something's going to have to happen to sort of course correct. Um, but it really came down to a lot of, uh, and for me in particular, it came down to a lot of the lower chakra, lower energy center issues. So unexpressed sexuality, uh, guilt and shame around sexuality that I think a lot of us experience and is instilled, particularly in a religious, religious upbringing. So that was a piece for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of those things, you know, if your creative juices aren't flowing, things are going to get backed up. Um, and so if you're not allowing yourself to be a natural, healthy human and to express uh, those desires and those, you know, aspects of ourselves, which I was not at the time, mm-hmm. then things are going to get backed up and things are going to, you know, things are going to get a little bit, uh, a little bit squirrely. So wow. that was a few of the pieces. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you, you did a really good job uh, kind of jumping into some of that kind of stuff. I always find it so fascinating because I, I, before this call, didn't know too much about you. And, uh, you know, from the way that you were using some of the language around the, the microbiome and all this stuff, uh, you know, there's that whole science side of things. But then to hear you jump into this energetic connection with that and bridge that gap and merge these worlds, I love that. That's um, something that I, I try to do in my life quite a bit as well. Uh, for those that are kind of listening, just unpacking a little bit of what Brian was talking about there, he made reference to the the asanas, which um, in in yoga is what most of us think of when we think of yoga. Is uh, asanas the the postures, the different forms that you would see in your your yoga classes, and you know they can be really powerful, especially trying to rebuild you know that abdomen and get those muscles working together, getting your body getting familiar in your body again. But that piece around the the lower chakras, the the root chakra, the sacral chakra, and the the navel chakra, the root chakra, there's so much there about old wounds as well. And that sense of your identity, who am I? Who do I identify with? And so when you made the connection and you're talking about this mind-blowing experience of I am not my thoughts, like that in and of itself can just set things in motion with the, the root chakra, even though it's this we feel like it's coming from 
you know, the, the mind, the brain, and up in the top of the head, like that's something that shakes our core when it's something as mind blowing as that is like, I'm not my thoughts. Sense of identity is just totally shifting here. So um, I'm sitting on the other side of the, the screen here. People can't see of my face, but uh, I had a big like smile going on, just like hearing that shift because I love seeing those connections and I remember them so tangibly for myself of like, what am I identifying as? And one of the things that, that came up when you were talking about the university life, again, I could totally relate to so much of what you were talking about, the keg stands and all that kind of stuff. And I remember almost like wanting to make a health shift around the same time, but feeling like almost like a shame there, kind of like you, you, you alluded to it, but like this feeling like everybody else is doing this. This is the way everybody else is living. And there's almost like this identity of I'm a university student. This is how I live my life. This is what I do. And I think there's another piece there too, depending on what your upbringing has been like, if you have always had your, your parents get your you know, food for you and cook your meals, and now you're kind of dumped into this world of I'm responsible for shopping for myself. I'm responsible for you know, what I actually put in my body. Well, Mr. Noodles are really cheap and you know this terrible junk food and all this kind of stuff so it almost seems like this this terrible formula where you're off on your own you're old enough to drink now you're buying your own food it's like this terrible formula of misinformed young adults um and and feeling invincible is a big piece of that too like we've you know at that age we're we're feeling like we can do anything and conquer the world so when you talk about like the toxic burdens can you speak into that? Well, what are these, what are the toxins that, you know, we hear this kind of uh, talked about, but what, what are the kinds of things that build up and, and are really draining our energy? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the main ones and particularly these days, you could break them into different categories. So you may have like environmental toxins, which are really big. That could be heavy metals. That could be pollutants in the air, pollutants in water, uh, that could be particulate in the air. You know, there's a lot of forest fires going on currently. And over the last year, tons of forests have burned. And mm. so that all sends particulate into the air, which is toxic, right? You can't breathe too much of that stuff without getting sick. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one piece. You've also got like the electro smog, Wi-Fi, you know, uh, cell phone signals, um, which can act as a toxic stressor or just a stressor to our system. Uh, we, we, might, we might call that non-native electromagnetic frequencies or EMF, mm -hmm. uh, which is what it's, how it's mostly talked about in the health world. Um, so that's one. Of course, you have toxic thoughts, you know, toxic emotions. And when I say toxic, I mean heavy, you know, heavy, uh, draining, uh, constricting, anything like that. And this, that's a great way to identify these things um, and to use your body as a barometer uh, and to develop your intuition mm -hmm. is that if you're thinking about something or someone or thinking about doing something or going someplace or whatever it is, taking a, taking a, a decision in a certain direction. And if you put yourself there and you make it as vivid as possible, and if your body gets really constricted and heavy, then it's probably an indication that it might not be something that's going to be very nourishing or life giving to you. It might be quite draining. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Um, and the opposite's true, you know, and we've all experienced this. If we're going to, you know, go on a date with that person we're interested in or meet that friend we haven't seen in a long time, there's a lightness, you know, there's an enthusiasm, there's an energy that, that wells up within us, mm-hmm. which is indicative of, okay, this is something that is actually really nourishing to me and is, is enlivening me literally on a cellular level. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, other, you know, other, other categories of toxins you might look at food you know as a vector for toxins so pesticides herbicides insecticides uh added hormones uh chemical additives so colors you know msgs uh i mean vegetable oil would be a huge one that is i think one of one of the foundational nutritional uh pieces that's causing a lot of contributing to a lot of disease these days would be the abundance of cheap vegetable oils and fried vegetable oils that's in the food supply. Um, so that's a big one. Uh, and the thing about that, which is interesting, is that those persist, right? Those damaged fats persist in our bodies because our bodies don't like to oxidize damaged fats or uh, especially damaged polyunsaturated fats, um, which are like the vegetable oils and even fish oils. The body does not like to oxidize those, so it stores them uh, as, a, as a protection mechanism. Mm-hmm. Um, but so those can cause long-term issues of all sorts. And that's probably, I think that's the majority of, you know, what would be t- typically turned as a, as a toxin or, a, well, the other thing I guess would be infectious organisms, right? So if you get bit by a tick or a mosquito or a spider or anything of that nature, you know, those are going to inject, potentially inject bacterias and parasites uh, viruses, funguses, all that stuff can be, you know, sent into our system and can either not have any effect and are, are, can just sort of lay dormant for the rest of our lives, or it can completely destroy us in the case of like, you know, Lyme disease, for instance. Um, so there's all these different uh, ways that we are exposed to these things. And this isn't to make people fearful uh, or make people want to live in a bubble because I think the way we find health and create health is the exact opposite of that. It's through exposure and it's through adapt, uh, uh, adapt, adaptation um, and building resilience through exposure, uh, which is why it's so important to, to let your immune system work and be familiar with different types of organisms. Um, but yeah, that would be you know, a quick breakdown of, of what I think about in terms of like a toxic burden. Um, and I mean, even if you're eating regular like breakfast cereal or enriched grains and you see like iron on the, the cereal of enrichment that's going on, those are literally iron filings. Those are iron shavings. It's not like bioavailable iron from blood from an animal. That's toxic heavy metal iron that's put into food supposedly to fortify it and make it more nutritious but it's, it's, it's absolutely one of the worst things you can ingest. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's in a lot of things. So I grew up on breakfast cereals. I grew up on all these things. I grew up on, you know, mini pizzas and pizza pops and pizza pockets and TV dinners and all that garbage. So it was, it's, it's not a mystery to me as to why. And I received most of the inoculations, which is not nearly as bad as it currently is, but I received a lot of, you know, those, those inoculations uh, growing up as well. So, and my sister had her appendix out as well. So, you know, there's a lot of things going on. But that's, that's my general breakdown. And, of course, I could talk about this for hours, but I don't want to get derailed. 
But uh, those are the things that I think about and that I investigate when it comes to toxic burden and figuring out what's really going on. Well, I think you, you touched on a really important point there because a lot of us will look at everything that we do, everything we indulge in as an individual component. So we'll think about, you know, I know my, my dad quotes this all the time. Well, you know, certain people believe that a glass of wine a day is, you know, really good for your heart and all this kind of stuff. And so we'll think, yeah, okay, so I'm, I can do these different things. And maybe individually, they can even benefit certain parts of my body or something like that. But then when we look at the things that it could be putting strain on, or the things that these, these you know, couple beers a night or whatever, combined with this fortified cereal combined with this uh this fried food or all of this this just boiled 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 cheap oil and all this kind of stuff when you start compounding that within this this vessel which has so many complex moving parts to it i always think of it in terms of um i always think of it in terms of my computer right whenever i do like that virus scan and my computer's really running sluggish and all of this kind of stuff, and I do a scan, it's never just like one thing that pops up. By the time it gets to the point where my computer's ready to shut down, blue screen of death and all that kind of stuff at me, it's because there's just all this burden. I have like hundreds sometimes of malware and all this kind of stuff coming in, and our bodies are so similar. If it was just one of these things, we, our, our bodies are quite intelligent. They're quite amazing. If it was one of these things or a couple of these things, then the body's natural ability could probably take care of it, no problem. But in today's day and age, more and more, it seems to me like we're just asking more and more from it and we're not willing to work with our body as an ally. It's like, okay, here, take this, do something with it. Your job is to make sure that I'm fine and healthy and I'm able to do everything I wanna do, but I don't wanna work with you in that, in that fashion. Mm -hmm. So when you're, when you're working with clients, then um, I guess one of the questions is what are some of the more common things that people are coming to, to see you about? And is it, is your approach more about here's the regimen stick with this, or is it more about shifting their perspective of how they work with their body? It's definitely both. It's mm -hmm. definitely both. And yeah, I always remind people that the body is always working for you. Mm -hmm. And the body is this so such a miraculous, ingenious uh, thing, entity, you know, gift, truly a gift for us to be in these bodies. And unless we recognize that, it's going to be, like you said, it's going to be sort of this blaming of the body or, you know, self-hatred of the body or uh, wishing it was different and essentially shirking responsibility, right? Not taking responsibility for the state and the health of our bodies. Um, so that that's, it has to be present. And I'm always introducing that or helping people to deepen their own relationship to the body in that respect. Mm -hmm. um, and there are some things, and depending on the case, you know, some cases more than others, where it often takes a very regimented and diligent approach and it takes an elimination diet and it takes a very specific supplementation and herbal medicines to work in combination to resolve an issue, right? And chronic infections tend to be some of the hardest things to resolve because they tend to be uh, longstanding. Um, and there's a great Chinese medicine uh, sort of uh, analogy or picture that I had heard 
in describing complex chronic illness, which they call, I think it's, uh, I'm going to get the, the word wrong. It's like gu, gu or gua, gua disease, gua, gua syndrome. Um, but it's uh, the analogy they use is uh, flour that's been like saturated in oil mm. and oil being the infectious part. Whereas if you have flour that has like, you know, a piece of something in it, like a little hunk of metal in it, you just pluck the metal out and the flour is good to go. But when the oil and the flour mix together, it becomes this really, you know, where does the flour end and the oil begin? And how do you even start to separate them into their distinctive layers? Mm-hmm. That's kind of what complex, you know, infections and chronic infections can be like. Um, so in those cases, yes, you do have to be more diligent and more consistent and more sometimes restrictive for a period of time, which can be really hard, especially in a convenience culture in a culture that is so socially uh, oriented around food. Um, so that can be really hard. And in those instances, you know, I encourage people to remember that their health, their long-term health is more important than, you know, somebody's feelings, right? So if someone's going to be offended that you, you don't taste their whatever, that's on them. You know, that's their thing. And I know culturally that can be like a huge disgrace. Like you don't eat my food, what the hell? But you have, you have to recognize where we're at, right? And not do something that's going to push us in the wrong direction. Um, but ideally we're in a place where we have the resilience and we have the, the strength to eat, you know, a little bit of whatever it might be. And it's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. That's the ideal place. So when you go and you see grandma and she's baked cookies, you can have some of grandma's cookies. Or when you go and you meet your friend and they have fresh bread, and, you know, and cheese from their goats outside or something, you know, enjoy the bread and the cheese, do your thing. But uh, yeah, it's, it, it gets really tricky because, the majority of what people will offer other people, at least in, you know, current Western culture is store-bought stuff, right? Mm-hmm. It's not homemade, organic, wholesome stuff. It's store-bought. Even if it's expensive, quote-unquote high quality, the ingredients can be completely toxic and completely counterproductive to health. So it becomes this tricky thing, but getting people to recognize that their body is always working for them, um, and that it can't not work for you, right? Otherwise, you'd be dead. Mm-hmm. Um, but that it's always working for them, and that if they can just take a step in that direction and they can help to support that process, amazing things can happen. And so whether that's someone dealing with anxiety or depression or uh, chronic digestive issues or longstanding digestive issues, I often see a complex of those kinds of things. You've got mood, anxiety, energy, and digestion, and they're often linked together really tightly. Um, because if the gut is off and you're not absorbing food, nothing's going to work. Mm-hmm. Right. And then it's only a matter of time. It's like how, how much stress can the body take and how long can it attempt to keep up before something becomes too much? Yeah. I love that. I was having a conversation actually with someone about this and, and kind of using the, it's almost a cliche analogy at this point in time is like, Oh, you wouldn't just take any random liquid and stick it in your, your car. You wouldn't put diesel in your, your petrol, um, your tank. And I was talking with uh, another guest about this last time. And he actually put it in an interesting way. It's like, well, if you put, if you put the wrong kind of fuel inside your car, your car is just not going to work. You're going to see that instantly. But the body is, is so resilient and it's so good sometimes that because it's working for us and because it's working so hard, that it might be a while before we actually see the repercussions 
um, behind that that crazy weekend we had or you know that kind of thing and so we can almost start to pass it off as as something else and i know so many people like i was having a conversation with some family members recently and uh you know, in, in yoga and the stuff that I do, I'm, I'm very aware of trying to listen to my body and recognize when the slightest thing is trying to communicate something to me. And I said like, oh yeah, so I think something's off. I might, um, you know, I'm, I'm putting some of these enzymes in and I'm taking this and they'll ask me what I'm doing or whatever. And um, I'll say, well, they'll say, well, what are you experiencing? Well, I can just feel that my food doesn't feel like it's digesting as as quickly as it normally does. It feels like it's sitting a little bit longer in my stomach than normal or something like that. I'll make a comment like that. And I'll have some, one of my family members in particular, just like, that is my every day. I, you know, that food feels like it's a brick in my stomach every day. That's just, that's just what food does sometimes. I'm like, I don't know if food's supposed to do that, but yet how many people are out there with these different aspects of, of what they're feeling or of their digestion and all this where it's like, oh, that's old age, or that's, the, that's just what happens as you get older. That's what happens as you, you know, get into seasonal changes. Like people will always just try to put a label on it instead of saying like, okay, something's going on that I can do something about because it's almost easier, isn't it? To just like, no, that's just what's gonna happen until you're at that point where, oh, so my appendix uh, ruptured or, oh, mm -hmm. you know, I have something else happening within my body. So do you usually find that people wait until it's at that, that like really need to make a change kind of moment before anyone even comes to, to work with you? I would say the majority of people mm -hmm. are in that case, you know, and I think it's, it's human nature that unless we're hit with a crisis or something that shakes us up a bit, or something that significantly impacts our ability to function, um, most people will just, you know, push it under the rug and continue on and charge forward and, you know, put on a mask and pretend like everything's okay, mm -hmm. um, which is a great survival mechanism, but it's not a good, you know, way to, to thrive and it's not a good way to, to live in the long term. You know, it's got a, it's got a very uh, finite, you know, uh, period of effectiveness. And so most people have hit some sort of crisis or they've had, you know, fatigue or they've had just like complex things or, or chronic things that are not going away, that are progress getting progressively worse. And they've usually already gone and seen a doctor or seen a specialist and had, you know, very little support in that regard. Um, to by the time that they, they come to someone like myself now, there's a small percentage of people and I, 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 I sense that this, will this percentage will continue to grow and expand over time. Um, as people become more health conscious and more proactive with, with regards to their health. Mm -hmm. um, so I have worked with some people where they might have a couple small things going on, but nothing major, but they're more into like the optimization side of things. Mm -hmm. They want to like dial themselves in even more. They want to be even more focused. They want to have even more energy. Um, they want to recover, you know, even quicker from exercise. Um, and those are really a joy to work with because they're a lot simpler in most cases. Um, and those people tend to already have some good momentum behind them. So adding in a few different things is, is relatively easy. They, they, they need less handholding and more uh, instruction. Whereas someone who is really, you know, at the, the pit of despair and uh, fatigue and depression, that person's going to need a lot more education and information and support along the journey. And that's the majority of the people that I've probably worked with. Um, I or more, too, more in that boat. 
it's like thinking of the kind of person that would wait until that crisis before making a change is usually the people who are more resistant to change in general. So trying to say, okay, if we're going to try to sift this oil out of the flour, you know, this is what we have to do. And it can just be very daunting sometimes to look at that. I, I remember uh, just a conversation I had, I had done a, just a 24 hour fast one time. And I remember uh, I was having just some, again, like my stomach was just feeling really heavy. It didn't feel like it was digesting well at the time. And I thought to myself, and I don't, you can tell me if I did the right thing or not, but I thought to myself, you know what? I, I just don't want to eat for the next 24 hours. And I did that. And then again, I eased myself in. I had uh, some simple foods, some good whole foods to bring myself back in from that 24 hours. And it felt great. And then I, I had a lot of energy and everything was really well. So a friend of mine was experiencing something similar. And I said, well, would you consider a 24 hour fast? And no, I couldn't do that. I couldn't go 24 hours without eating. Like what well, you could, like as human beings, you could go 24 hours, but there was no like willingness. There was no dread. There was almost like an under, what's the word I'm trying to look for? Like they underestimated their own ability to do something. And yet we're, we're incredibly resilient people. We can, if, if push comes to shove, if we're forced into it, we will go through extreme lengths. But when we're at this point where it's like, well, I can live with it or, oh, I'm, I'm okay. Yeah, it's a little uncomfortable. It's like people underestimate themselves. And it's, a, it's really interesting to kind of see that, that dynamic. So in that sense, with the idea of this, these cleanses or anything like that, if we're starting to get these signs from our body, if we're starting to see these different things, I guess it's probably pretty subjective to exactly what information your body's telling us as to what kind of ways we can cleanse it or anything like that. But are there certain modalities or certain things that you like to work within certain ways to kind of cleanse or clear? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there's, there's a particular line of products that I'm working with these days that seem to be the most complete and thorough mm. and well put together a system for cleansing. Um, and if people have never done a cleanse, they've never done a parasite cleanse, they've never done a bacterial or viral cleanse, then oftentimes starting them on this kind of a system works really well because it gives them a bit of that experience of what it's like to go through these steps, but also to support that with really effective binders, things that are going to grab on to the toxic material that we are kicking up and get effectively remove it from the, from the system. Because one of the, the hardest things about cleansing is when you have that die-off reaction or a Herxheimer reaction, and you can feel like you have a flu, a fever, you can feel very sick. And if someone's trying to go to their you know, office job or has a bunch of work to do, it's going to be really hard to push through and do that work. Um, but oftentimes when we pair these cleansing agents, whether they're herbs, they're mostly herbs in my experience and practice, you pair those with binders that can then grab on to the dead, essentially the dead bodies and the wastes of whatever it is that we're killing. Mm -hmm. Then we don't have it recirculating in the bloodstream. Then we don't get the nearly the same effect of the die-off reaction and the same stress of that reaction. So it allows you to cleanse more thoroughly, more quickly uh, without having the huge dip in your energy and your health, you know, a temporary dip in your health, um, which is normal. And typically a good sign is to have a bit, things tend to get a little bit worse before they get better once you start mm -hmm. doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what I use. Um, that's, that's a company called Cellcore Biosciences. They got some really fantastic products that I, I really, really think are some of the highest quality things out there. Um, 
But in terms of more like food, lifestyle type things, I just tell people to simplify, mm -hmm. right? And to do, I like to start people if they've never done any sort of fasting, either with just doing, you know, like a short intermittent fast, mm -hmm. you know, like an overnight 12 to 16 hours, that, that sort of thing, just so they can start to build that, that capacity and build their belief that it's possible and it's doable and have that experience that it's doable or to get people on like a liquid fast mm. um, and not necessarily like a hundred percent, like just green juices and that sort of thing. Uh, although sometimes a, a juice fast can be warranted for certain cases. Um, but I'm talking more like smoothies and blended, blended soups. So things that still have a good amount of uh, heartiness to them mm -hmm. uh, and a good amount of nutrition, but are very easy to digest and are very hydrating and are very nourishing and are, you know, not going to have a bunch of hard to break down fiber um, that could cause further irritation. Um, so that'd be what I, what I might push someone towards uh, if they're having a lot of, you know, inflammation or irritation. Mm -hmm. I've also had some really great success, particularly with digestive healing, with doing a, a broth fast. So having people drink nothing but clear broth or, or uh, I mean, it's not really clear. It can be quite dark depending what you put in it. Um, but a bone broth or, or a meat stock, uh, which can have some really easy to digest protein that can really soothe the gut lining. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, it's why, you know, grandmas all over the world for generations have made chicken soup for their sick, you know, grandkids and, and the kids. Um, it's because that kind of thing is really easy to digest and is really nourishing and is full of minerals and electrolytes and salts, you know, healthy salts um, and, you know, things like collagen and gelatin, which are very soothing to the gut. So, those are a few of the things that I might put someone on depending on uh, their, you know, openness and their willingness and their lifestyle. Mm -hmm. um, but it's really about taking those small steps to simplify what they're doing and to ensure that what they're doing isn't adding to the problem. Mm -hmm. I love that tapping into the grandma, the grandma wisdom. <laughs> So I'm just being aware of uh, the time that we kind of have. If someone was wanting to kind of start to make a bit of a shift in the right direction, like you, you had so many great little pieces that were kind of scattered throughout this whole conversation. But one of the things that stood out for me where you were talking about some of that, like um, watching out for iron, putting into the cereal and all that kind of stuff. If we're going to start to say, just look at the back of boxes or something like that, are there specific things that we would benefit just looking out for? Because sometimes you flip over the back of something and it just, again, so daunting, you don't even bother. Are there certain things that we can kind of keep an eye out for? Yeah, well, the easiest thing and a good exercise is to check in with ourselves about how many things we're buying that are actually coming in a box. Mm -hmm. Because if mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's sort of step number one. If you're buying fresh things, they're going to come in no or very minimal you know, packaging, right? So there's not going to be any ingredients except whatever the thing is, mm -hmm. which is like the ideal, right? For the bulk of everything that we're eating. Um, it gets really tricky. I would say the thing to be most aware of are the vegetable oils and the processed and or damaged fats. Um, and so what I'm talking about vegetable oil, I'm talking about canola, you know, AKA rapeseed, uh, soy, peanuts, um, corn, safflower, sunflower. That's probably the majority of them, but all those that, you know, they're, they're fairly clear and liquid at room temperature. Uh, the exact thing that we do not want to be cooking with uh, right. for the reasons that we stated earlier. So those are put into a lot of processed foods. 
um, as a way to make them more tasty and more oily and, you know, to make them cheap still. Um, so those are definitely one of the bigger things to look out for. Um, and then things like artificial sweeteners, right? So if someone's like trying to go sugar-free, but then they're buying something that's got like a bunch of aspartame or a bunch of sucralose or other artificial sweeteners, that can be really detrimental. Like, like I, it always pains me when I see clearly overweight people drinking diet sodas mm-hmm. because they're loaded with the artificial sweeteners, which in my experience and in my understanding are actually worse than the, if it was pure cane sugar, that's much healthier than the artificial stuff. Um, the problem is that most sodas are actually corn syrup, you know, glucose slash fructose derived from corn syrup, which is a completely different animal metabolically than cane sugar um, or any pure sugar. Um, so that's something to be aware of as well, you know, to, to not let those corn, essentially corn-based sweeteners, you know, be a large part of your diet because um, that's a huge issue. And yeah, the enriched things, because this is the enriched is, is interesting too, because even when people are attempting to eat quote unquote healthy and they're buying like organic almond milk or organic, you know, oat milk, I have very seldom seen companies that don't still add synthetic B12, synthetic vitamin D, um, oftentimes some other, uh, whether it's, they don't usually put iron in like a milk for it, uh, per se, that's more in like the grains. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely the, the synthetic B12 and vitamin D are pretty common. Um, and then the, the thickeners, oftentimes the gums and the carrageenans and the guar gum and the locust gum and all these gums and thickeners, those can oftentimes be as irritating as anything for someone who's got a, you know, irritable bowel or, or sensitive digestive system. Um, so it's really about just getting as pure of a product as we can, you know, the fewer ingredients, the better. Definitely look out for the thickeners and the gums and the artificial sweeteners and the vegetable oils. And if you can cut those out, then you're already far ahead of the game Um, because those things consumed for decades on end are what really add up to a lot of metabolic dysfunction or physiological dysfunction. So in terms of shopping, that would be sort of my, my, my short list of things to be aware of and stop buying. (laughs) I love it. And, you know, again, that, that speaks into such a, um, a whole other large topic of, you know, people, people marketing certain things, they're very clever at how to market things to make it seem like, like I could, I could pick up some dirt off the ground and there's nothing out there saying that I can't market this as miracle dirt that, you know, is really good for you. And you should start rubbing it in your eyes and (laughs) throwing it at your friends. Like I can put anything out there. And if I think, you know, maybe not me, but if someone thinks that it's going to make them money, then they're going to do it. And, and there's a lot of motivation behind that. And to really just start to check in with things on your, your own, do some research, listen to your body first and foremost, like in a similar fashion, I stopped drinking beer uh, a long time ago, just simply because I would get super bloated. My body from like toe to head would be telling me like, this doesn't feel good for you. No, no part of you likes this other than the, the ego part that feels like you're fitting in with your friends right now. Like so much of this kind of stuff. So really mm-hmm. listening to your body and not just taking people's words at face value, just because it says diet on it doesn't mean that it's healthy for you or any of that kind of stuff. So that, mm-hmm. again, I feel like that could be a whole other 
series or something <laughs> worth jumping into, but we are kind of at that time. If someone wanted to find you or learn more about the things that you're putting out into this world, what are some great places to reach you? Yeah, in terms of social media, Instagram is where I'm most active. That's at Brian Hardy Seven. That's B R Y A N Hardy Seven. Yeah, that's that's where I'm most active. I am on Facebook, and I do do some stuff on Facebook, but it's not a, a primary place for me. Mm. Um, my podcast is called Redefining Reality, and you can find that on SoundCloud and Spotify and all those places. Uh, I've got some content on YouTube. Trying to do more video content. Uh, and get it up onto YouTube. Um, and then my website is just brianhardy.ca. Again, that's brian with a Y, hardy.ca. Uh, and that's a hub for, for pretty much all the things that I do. Um, but I just wanted to leave people with one thing. If they take nothing else from this, mm-hmm. is that before the next time they go to eat, is to sit down and ideally close your eyes and take five belly breaths, deep belly breaths, before you start eating, right? And just take that time to center and to ground and to de-stress, unwind a little bit. Because all it takes many times to go from a stress state to a more relaxed state, as you know, is a few deep breaths. Um, And so if you can start to anchor your meals with this kind of a practice, not only is it going to relieve stress so you're more ready to digest whatever you're about to eat, but you can also then take that and take it one step further right? And have a little seed of gratitude, find something to be thankful for, you know, picture the, the soil that that food grew in or the farmer who picked that stuff mm-hmm. and to send a little bit of thanks, you know, their way. Um, and in doing so, you will quickly transform what is otherwise oftentimes a very mindless, you know, sometimes numbed out experience of shoveling food down our faces into a deep, uh, you know, I, dare I say sacred experience of nourishment, which I think is what food is ultimately, you know, meant to be um, and can be if we just put that little bit of intention and take the time to slow down uh, and to really, uh, you know, be present with the gift that is that plate that's in front of you. Um, I love so that'd it. be, yeah. Yeah, no, man. I, I think that uh, after this, um, I just want to sit down and have a meal with you sometime. That's, that's, uh, that's totally on par. And I think you and I resonate quite well together. And again, I could just keep going on about, yeah, that also we're not, we didn't even touch on how your stress state and your mental state affects the way that you're digesting and affects the, you know, and how it's all connected. But you hinted at it a little bit there with those few breaths before eating. So, um, yeah, no, I got to cut myself off before I, I dive any deeper. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I definitely look forward to uh, checking out more of your podcast and your offerings into the world. My pleasure, Jason. Have a great day and we'll talk to you soon. All the best. All the best.